Welcome everybody to the 2023 Convi 2X Symposium on Blockchain and Healthcare. My name is Dr. Alex Kahana. For those who know me, I wear many hats. I am a UN and blockchain uh, expert in healthcare. And for the last 10 years, I've been trying to uh, blockchain healthcare and healthify the crypto space. I'm super excited for uh, today's uh, uh, talk. We're gonna have uh, two good friends, Dr. Ron Harris, who is the co-founder of Afia Record and has extensive experience in building NGOs in Africa. And uh, Michael Ekpuche, who is the director of Afia Record in the United Kingdom and founder of the Afia Life Foundation. Uh, and today we're gonna talk about decentralized health and Ubuntu, what Africa gets and others don't. So uh, before I start, uh, maybe just a simple question out of the uh, uh, name. Uh, Michael, can you tell us what, what Ubuntu is? Ubuntu, um, I'm not quite sure what it means. Okay, uh, Ron, what about you? Uh, let's see, Ubuntu. Um, I'm gonna have to punt on that too, Alex. Okay, well, I didn't mean to, 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 to catch both of you, but uh, it's good because I think that uh, it's good for the uh, audience to know Ubuntu, which is a concept that comes from the Southern part of the African continent is we are who I am or I am who we are. That talks about the community and the importance of Collective. community, which yeah. is quite different to, I wanna say the hyper individualistic attitudes that we have in the West. So with that in mind, perhaps we'll talk a little bit about that and how that impacts your work in Africa. So let's start with uh, Ron, tell us a little bit about you and uh, your work in Africa. Sure. So uh, thanks for the introduction, Alex, and uh, appreciate being here. Thank you very much. Um, so I am an academic dermatologist. I also in, in private practice, um, done global dermatology for about 20 years now. I've been involved with a few uh, NGOs, including my own, and uh, working for a while with the, the Clinton uh, Global Initiative. Um, I've been doing all kinds of things. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've worked in, in Kenya mostly. Um, we've uh, managed HIV clinics, provided dermatology care to um, a hospital with a couple of million people, serving a couple of million people in the Upper Rift Valley of Kenya. Uh, done some work in Ethiopia, teaching residents and, and doing conferences. Um, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a very fun journey. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, and Michael, what about you? What what brought you to the uh, working in Africa and the African continent? Thank you very much, Alex. Um, I think for me, it was uh, a, a bit of uh, COVID. Um, I think uh, nobody was expecting COVID. COVID happened and um, it really uh, um, hit hard in terms of um, welfare across Africa, standard of living, standard of life, you know, down to even, you know, families not being able to feed and things like that. So uh, um, I think there was a particular uh, um, video uh, I came across online and it was a, an old lady who was practically um, during COVID, who was practically begging for palliative just as a result of not having anything to eat for her and her um, unwell child. 
So again, you know, for me, that, that sort of like broke my head and being an African myself, it then made me realize how deteriorated or how bad the system or things have actually gone in Africa. And there's a lot of factors to that. But having said that, that sort of like spur uh, an undying need to participate and be part of the uh, um, change for Africa and see how we then use that change to, to save life. And most importantly, you know, uh, tackle the issue of healthcare around Africa, because that's one of the uh, um, most important, uh, um, you know, pandemic on its own face in Africa as it stands now. So that sort of like um, was the genesis of um, my journey into the African space to make a difference. Nice, nice. Um, Ron, I, I assume that, um, you know, uh, many in the audience haven't visited ever Africa. And of course, it's very difficult to generalize a, a continent of 1.3 billion people in 54 countries. Yeah. And there are places like Johannesburg, Cape Town, Cairo, Nairobi. You know, mm -hmm. you can't compare that to, to smaller rural areas uh, in, in other countries. Could you paint a little bit uh, your experiences, maybe share a couple of countries that you have experience with and speak to uh, the, the differences of uh, these uh, between the countries? Sure. So, you know, it's interesting that you, you mentioned this Ubuntu, um, you know, and I, I think of it as community, I think of it as Ohana, you know, in, in Hawaiian. Um, and in more business sense, I think of it as a, kind of a collective responsibility. And I think one of the things I've noticed um, throughout Africa um, is something that Michael was, was talking about, and that is um, there, there, there does seem to be um, an, a collective um, need and a collective want to improve healthcare all over. Uh, all over Sub-Saharan Africa, and I, I haven't been uh, above the Sahel, but um, um, but certainly in Sub-Saharan Africa. And you know, as far as differences in countries, I, I, it's it's very interesting. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, I I, I think there's both. Um, I think people recognize the need for um, improved healthcare. I think people recognize the need for um, for increased resources to healthcare, to new technologies, to, um, to different ways of, of communicating and different ways of storing health records. So I think that's pretty universal. Um, and um, as far as differences, um, I think obviously there's cultural differences. I think um, in a lot of different countries, there is the, um, so much more in Kenya, there's more of a tribal approach to, to the counties where, as in a country like Ethiopia, there's, um, there are, there are so-called uh, tribes, but there, um, there's not as many. Um, so, and I think that makes a difference in, in some of the politics and certainly some of the ways things get done. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, th thanks for giving a little bit of a feel. Sure. Um, Michael, you know, you were talking about COVID and mentioning, you know, the importance and your drive to improve health in Africa. Um, oh. You know, uh, I, I got heat by writing that Africa dealt with uh, so much better than the U.S. on, on, on COVID because 
uh, uh, you know, we uh, uh, are not used to having pandemics and following, you know, public policies. And uh, uh, no one in Africa was uh, exercising their constitutional right not to wear a mask. So there's clearly differences in, 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 in how COVID was treated in Africa. Um, could, you, could you tell a little bit about what Africa is doing different in terms of healthcare than what we're used to seeing in high-income countries? Yeah, I mean, thank you very much for, for, for the question, um, Alex. Um, again, when you look at the African ecosystem and the, the African terrain, um, again, healthcare as, as, as in a whole has been um, something that uh, we've continuously and consistently battled with um, in Africa. And there's been a massive, um, prior to, to COVID, there's been a massive divide um, whereby Africa feels disjointed or disconnected from the rest of the globe in, in, in the area of healthcare. And if you then look at the whole healthcare ecosystem, uh, you then wonder what are the um, things that the West is doing very well in terms of healthcare that make the healthcare more sustainable. Then primary care comes into you know into it. You know, being able to create that first line of contact that is sustainable that you can then lay every other things on, which is a little bit similar to blockchain as well. But again, we did we don't have that in a sustainable uh, um, way. And again, I, I think lack, a lot of that has to do with lack of infrastructure, uh, lack of funding, lack of uh, um, better management. Uh, again, corruption is part of that as well. But having said that, I think what Africa has then been able to do very, very well and effectively, thanks to this modern generation of young Africans and entrepreneurs, is to use the fourth industrial revolution, which we're still, you know, uh, um, in at the moment, which is the, you know, technology age, to then use that, not just to individual advantage, but to think about again Ubuntu. You know, you are because I am, and I am because you are. So again, how do we then collectively, as one ecosystem, you know, begin to use these technologies to solve our problems and the one thing Africa has done very well is run with those technology. And those technology has then helped us magnificently in terms of leapfrogging the rest of the world as a result of lack of infrastructure. So again, what we lack in infrastructure, we make up for in terms of technology and using those technology. But again, the, the uh, dying concern with, with the technology is that, uh, especially with the smart technologies, we talk about uh, uh, AI, we talk about blockchain and the rest of them, it's not really been fully uh, uh, regulated into the African ecosystem. So regulation is part of the, the challenges that might, you know, uh, affect the leapfrog of Africa if, again, that is not quickly done. And having said that as well, aside that, Again, the whole ecosystem as a whole needs more knowledge. So again, massive education in terms of technology then has to come in. And all of this, again, has to do with a lot of funding. So, you know, even though Africa is doing great and, you know, using the technology to solve its own, you know, dying problem in terms of health uh, uh, care, 
it's important that um, the world understand that uh, Africa needs every knowledge they can, because again, we've suffered from the divide for, you know, I don't think there's any other continent that suffered the divide as much as Africa. So yes, there are positives that we can take and that's the technology age. And, you know, again, there's a lot of uh, stiff uh, rigidness again, that, that comes into that, how quickly are people ready to change, moving from paper-based, you know, to technology or computer-based. Uh, and again, take, going back to education, knowledge. So there's a lot of training that has to go into place. So there's quite um, um, a lot still to do, but um, the good thing is Africa is going in the right direction and there are need for strong, sustainable supports. Oh, I, I love I love that answer, Michael. Thank you so much. I'm sure that people are trying to wrap their head around, you know, this leapfrogging. And you mentioned the fourth industrial revolution or Web3 transformation, which is a great segue, you know, Ron, to dive a little bit deeper. You know, you're the co-founder of Afia Record. Mm -hmm. So you know, can you can you tell what is different about how you guys conceptualized Afia Record sure. and built Afia Record when you sure. compare it to, I don't know the large without without um uh using the e word or 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 or, or the c word or um, the difference between that and and what we are calling electronic health records and sure. maybe of course sure. allude a little bit to blockchain sure so you know part of the reason why we started this and uh, co-founder and i um john kamar we, we had similar experiences um in uh in healthcare um you know, having been a provider there for, for many, many years, one of the things I noticed was just the lack of mobility of data. Um, and that lack of mobility has led to um, increased mortality, increased morbidity, and just a state where, as, as, as Michael was saying, that, that um, there was just not enough, uh, there was not enough infrastructure. Um, and uh, not enough technology to provide effective healthcare to to you know to uh, Africans. So one of the things I think that is a little bit different from some of the legacy systems uh, elsewhere in the world um, is that we make mobility of data key, um, and so that mobility. In, involves sovereign over uh, sovereign ownership of data, um, and that's one thing that just doesn't really happen in these, in some of the legacy systems. Um, and so we want to make we wanted to make a platform that was patient centric, that where uh, a patient could have access to all of their health data from fairly from anywhere from the lab from imaging from radiology from from genetics to uh, clinic to a hospital and have uh, control of that data uh, on their fingertips and so that was one of the things that we thought would be incredibly important um, to as part of this fourth uh, industrial revolution as, as michael uh, said um, to um, improve healthcare. Um, you know, and, and the and the other, I guess the other thing too is just is just the the, the quality of the data, um, and how, where that data is coming from, um, and so 
I think one of the things that we've really tried to do is take not only the, the regular structured data from notes and from, from, um, uh, uh, from laboratories and not, but adding um, unstructured data in a, in a diary form so that patients can, can uh, tell a provider how they're doing and being able to summarize that, that um, unstructured data in a way that allows for um, increased communication and um, you know, increased knowledge between the provider and the patient. Well, well th th that actually is really amazing to think about how you're leveraging uh, AI and blockchain, of course, yes, of course. To, yeah. to, to really create a new type of um, interaction between patients or users and what we call, you know, the electronic healthcare record or the interface to health information. And uh, you're very uh, humble because uh, we both know that Afia Record uh, played a key role in reducing the amount of COVID in yes. Kenya by using, you know, a privacy secure, you know, non-contact tracing to, 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 to find right. a, a, right. a, a loci of, of, of COVID. But yeah. uh, I wanna ask Michael, you know, you're in a special situation because you uh, are uh, most of the time in, in the UK and you're actually presenting to the local market off your record, which is very different than what they're used to. So how does that, you know, I wanna say, when Africa meets UK, if not say, you know, East meets West or something like that, or North and South or whatever. But like when, when this type of solution, a Web3 patient-driven uh, tokenized solution comes to the usual very mainstream stuff in, in, in a system like the NHS, can you speak a little bit to how doctors respond to it, how, how other healthcare professionals or patients respond to this mobile app? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's um, a fantastic question because uh, uh, there's a lot of, um, there's actually a lot to say on that, on that front. So um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the, you know, as, as um, they had, uh, um, the UK had a field record, um, it's been a, I wouldn't really say smooth journey, but it's been a challenging journey. But as challenging as it has been, it's been a very, very interesting one. There are loads of disparities that um, you know we face uh, uh, as part of the institutional uh, uh, system that has um, existed. Like Ron said earlier on as well, you, a lot of legacy system has uh, existed here in the UK. Um, and when you then look at the NHS, the way the NHS is uh, uh, set up and the way the NHS is structured, uh, the whole ecosystem relies on the NI, which is the national insurance. So again, that then makes it very, very um, rigid to sort of like, uh, um, you know, build some sort of uh, long-term sustainability uh, um, partnership or, or arrangement with them or some sort of a, um, you know, plan that would further enhance uh, the whole um, health ecosystem. But the good thing uh, in that front is that um, the NHLs on its own as well is looking into uh, which they have started, like they, they launched uh, a, a new app called The Hive. So again, which is a great app. So again, the NHS have come to that realization that 
you know, smart technology and all the, uh, uh, the likes of blockchain and, uh, and uh, AI data, you know, with some serious research, again, which UK in terms of research is at the forefront. So again, it's needed in terms of transforming the NHS ecosystem, because again, it is, there is so much burden on the NHS. And that's again, as an increase, uh, as a result of increased numbers of uh, migrants coming into the UK. Uh, but having said that, the biggest challenges in terms of um, Africa meet the UK is trust. Again, you know, so there has been a long-standing mindset that um, again, Africa is below. So again, that then simply means because Africa is below, there's um, no much to be expected from them. So then when the same individual or the same uh, ecosystem that you expect less from, or little or nothing from, then becomes to redefine things for you in such a way that it makes beyond sense. It, it can be very challenging to, to accept it from you know, uh, uh, somebody who you um, don't trust their services. And, um, and this is me actually being very, very blunt uh, at this point, because um, solutions from Africa into the UK struggle. And the only thing that, you know, I'm just going to give one example, which is a little bit outside health. The only thing that manages is its, its way into the UK sustainably or efficiently and still get the market value or still being able to drive the market is African food because it's consumed by Africans. So again, going back to health, then any other thing aside that, when it comes into the UK as a result of lack of trust, uh, and who do you blame for that? Uh, 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 there's a, you know, the education standard in the UK and Africa is not the same. You know, Africa for a very, very long time has relied on the UK being one of the countries that, uh, um, you know, one of the colonial countries that uh, has uh, quite a lot of colony in Africa. So again, Africa has looked up to the UK, America and the rest of them for a very long time. So, you know, it, it's had to, it's had to change your mindset about, you know, somebody who depends on you, who is then asking, for freedom and for equality and for things to be looked at, um, you know, with the same lens, if that makes sense. But because Africa has not really transformed as a result of bad leadership to, you know, tackle those issues around trust. And you cannot, you know, mention health without trust. Trust is at the forefront of healthcare. So, you know, uh, and the biggest challenges we're now facing with our fear record is how do we then redefine that? How do we change that mindset? How do we, because our fear record is such a wonderful, great platform that presents massive support to the NHS. Even when you look at uh, uh, the amount of uh, or the influx of sponsored healthcare uh, um, professionals coming into the UK, again, this is where, as part of what we're looking to craft with the NHS, would make massive sense. And this is where I fear record as well, will serve massive, uh, as a massive support uh, uh, and, you know, help the NHS in ensuring that the professionals coming in from Africa 
Imagine if the NHS have their record before they even come in. Yeah, no, I, that I think would be massive for the NHS, and that will solve a lot of issues. So I think trust it's it, it's a big one in that. But um, having said that, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, myself, I have lived in the UK for quite a while, so I I understand that um, you just have to be consistent uh, and continuity. So again, without consistency, you're not going to go anywhere. So we've been very very consistent in our approach with the NHS. And um, we've been having some great, great talks. We've been able to build uh, some few partnerships within the private sector in the UK as well. So again, when you then look at the private sector, which is a bit outside the NHS, again, Afia Record present massive, massive uh, um, solutions and support to the private health sector. But the majority of the people who would benefit from Afia Record mainly are people on the NHS, which is the public health uh, uh, care. So again, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, with talks fast approaching, uh, I am sure we'll be able to um, bring some good news to the fore not too long. Well, I think that that's a, 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 you know, a very good point that you're bringing uh, um, where uh, you know trust, I always say blockchain is the software solution for the social trust. problem of trust. Yes. And so clearly a blockchain-based solution makes sense in creating that computational trust in data integrity, but more so your point of education, uh, you know, uh, post-colonial thoughts. I always said that uh, uh, um, Africa could be a technology exporter, and uh, people are always amazed that, for example, uh, both in East and West Africa, they've been using digital currencies or digital money for, for decades, years. whereas here in New York, cash is king. So there's still a little bit of, I want to say, uh, global humility that needs to come into play. Um, we're coming towards the end of our session, so I want to ask each and uh, both of you, and I'll start with Ron and then you, Michael, uh, the same question is... Um, uh, uh, and you can choose which one, it's both sides of the same thing. What should we as in the uh, uh, Western world or the obese economies, like I like to call them, uh, what should we learn from Africa? Uh, uh, and the opposite is what shouldn't Africa learn from, mm. from us and what we've been doing in healthcare? So Ron, let's start with you. So I, I think there's there, there's two concepts, and I'm uh, again coming back to this Ashuntu. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up, um, because you know, and you mentioned this. I mean, the U.S. is and and other obese economies uh, tend to be a little more uh, individualistic. I think the U.S. is probably the top of the list of that um, as far as individual actions, individual outcomes, whereas as as I was saying before, this this concept of Ashintu of of you know this collective collective responsibility. I mean, you know, that's how you solve. That's how you can solve issues. Um, and I say that from experience. My um, when I was at University of Utah, this is this was one of my jobs was uh, being responsible for collective accountability for outcomes and. Let me tell you that was uh, that was quite a challenge, um, and unfortunately, the the most resistant population within, you know, the ten thousand, eleven thousand people at University of Utah. Guess who that was? It was physicians, 
And so, um, so I think particularly that, that the medical field can learn a lot from Sub-Saharan Africa with this concept of, of collective responsibility and collective accountability. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the other point is, uh, is, is exactly what you're saying about the obese economies, so the, the obese economies, the obese healthcare budgets of some Western countries uh, with the US being at the top of that. <laughs> Off your record has operated um, on shoestring budgets for years, um, from our startup time in 2019 to now 2023. So we're, we're you know, three plus years into this. And we've done an amazing job where we have a state-of-the-art healthcare platform using both AI and blockchain to help predict disease uh, in regional areas, help um, manage healthcare in multiple, um, over multiple uh, venues. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've done this on a very small budget. Um, and we'll continue to do this on a, on a small budget, comparatively speaking. Um, and you know this uh, this concept of, of uh, camels that I think uh, John Kamara brings up quite a bit. I think is what is quite is is quite uh, appropriate. I mean, you know, we're able to go a long way um, with uh, with very little resources. And so, um, when you have a lot of money, I think um, there's there's blessings and curses to that. The blessings, of course, is that you can get things done. The curse, of course, is that you don't know how to get things done if you if you don't have the resources. So um, so I, I think those are probably the two things that the U.S. can learn from that. Or the U.S. and actually other Western economies. So. I, I, I love it, Ron. And, you know, uh, uh, not unicorns, which are not real, but more camels <laughs> that do do the mission with very little and are very frugal. Uh, in two minutes, uh, uh, Michael, because we need to, to wrap up here. Uh, what shouldn't Africa learn or take from the obese economies? What What would you say when 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 I'm in the continent and everybody speaks about how we have to emulate everything because the West is the best, what would you caution the the fellow folks in Africa? Yeah, I think uh, um, you know like um, one second. Well, I think we lost Michael for a second. Sure. So, so uh, again, I want to thank the panelists. Michael, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, sorry okay. about that. So now you have a minute and a half to wrap up. What, <laughs> okay. what, what is the right thing or the right future for Africa and African health? Yes, I, I think, um, you know, um, Dr. Ron did mention some very, very interesting thing. But uh, for me, I think... Um, the first thing for that, you know, the West can um, actually learn from Africa. Uh, again, if you look at technology as well, it's all about the mindset. So I think the African mindset in terms of resiliency, because uh, uh, like Dr. Ron said, uh, in terms of education, uh, even if you look at the medical sector here, 
there's a whole lot of Africans coming in with defining the odds. And, you know, so there, there must be, even with the difficulties in Africa, because uh, uh, these individuals weren't born here. So they were born in a place that has little or, or nothing, but then they have been able to use that little or nothing and make massive and huge uh, uh, change and huge uh, uh, differences with it. So I, I think that is... Um, something they can learn the resilient spirit of, of the African. Uh, that's one thing they can learn. And again, I think uh, um, what Africa can actually learn very well from uh, um, the West is not cutting shortcut, not following shortcut, no shortcut, follow the process, always believe in the process. And I think that's one thing I fear record has done magnificently well, not you know uh, um, looking at easy way out, but most importantly, following the process, no matter how rigorous it is, but with the right resilience to drive and to sustain that rigorosity to then ensure that the whole uh, uh, solution ecosystem is delivered on a tangible uh, uh, ground and in, in terms of um, other interesting things that comes into it as well. Uh, I think, um, if we if if we Africans adopt that mindset of um, process and uh, um, you know apply that into uh, our daily life uh, as Africans uh, and because being an African, I know we like to cut you know we like shortcuts, but if we can go through that fire that process, I think there's a joy at the end of it, and not just a joy, but there's a massive accountability, transparency. And again, this is the whole uh, thing technology is all about. So I think the mindset, uh, uh, the resilient mindset of the African, it, it's something that could, uh, which has brought us so much success. I think that's something the West can learn. And I think what Africa can learn is the process, the, the, the gentle or the, um, the ease way or the ease process at which the West do things, for example, in terms of research and development, R&D, you know, they go through it to the very end. So again, I think, you know, if the two merge together, then you have the best of both worlds. I love it. Well, you know, we started with Ubuntu and we ended with Ubuntu that none of us is as good as all of us. And then we have to share and we have to work together. Okay. I want to thank both of you gentlemen. It's been a fascinating 30 minutes uh, uh, and something that I'm sure that the audience is uh, maybe for the first time hearing all about this. So I want to thank you and I want to wish you a uh, pleasant continuation of your day. Thank you so much and Godspeed. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Alex, Dr. Alex. Thank you so much. Really appreciate thank you, it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Tori. Um, thank you, Dr. Ron. Yeah, and thank you, Michael. This is fun. <laughs>